VCG believes that creating climate solutions is the defining challenge of our generation. So we're working with leaders everywhere to understand and mitigate the cost of climate inaction. But we're also helping them find ways to innovate, build sustainable businesses, and stay competitive in an evolving world. Stick around to discover the many opportunities in a more sustainable global economy. Welcome to Zero. I'm Oscar Boyd. And I'm Christine Driscoll. We're the producers on Zero, wishing you a very happy end to 2023. And we are joined, as always, by Akshat Rathi. Akshat, welcome. Hey. Loquacious as ever. <laughs> so, as it's the holiday season and everything's a bit quiet at the end of the year, we thought we'd bring back our popular climate guessing game, and we're calling it Whose Number Is It Anyway? Super fans of the show will be familiar already, but the rules are simple. Each one of us presents a number, and then the other two have to figure out what that number represents. Each person can ask three questions. You can ask for clues if you get stuck, and then you have to guess. And as always, the thing I care about is the prize. Yeah, this game is all about prizes. Last time, the very lucky winner, Christine, got a copy of your book, Akshat. This time, the prize is probably our best one yet. All the way... From COP28, from the Arabian Desert, a jar of sand. I love this. Okay. <laughs> I guess it's more real than the first uh, prize, which was a carbon offset. Yeah. I mean, it exists. It's in a jar. I think I'm more motivated than ever to win. You make it such low stakes. It's so fun. Okay. So let's play. Whose number is it anyway? Oscar. Would you please go first? All right. Hopefully my number is better than the prize. My number this time on the numbers game is 36.2 million. All right. Well, I think we should start with the units. I'm wanting Akshat to waste his question on this, <laughs> on the units. You know, like I have a feeling it's dollars, but like we really need to know. It's a guess, right? You don't just get to ask what the units are. You have to say, is the unit X? Is the unit Money? Dollars? The unit is not money or dollars. It is not a monetary figure. Is the unit people? The unit is people. So it's 36.2 million people. <laughs> yes, it's not wheels and it's not the number of people inside cars or anything like that. That's a Delhi-sized population of people. Okay, is this a number of people who have done something? They have taken an action, whether it's a purchase or a decision, and it is in the past. I would say it's more kind of ongoing. It's not a past decision. There are not that many things that 36.2 million people can do, mm. you know, unless they're all distributed and not in one place. Is that the case? Uh, they are distributed and not in one place, yes. Or one country or whatever. Mm. Okay. Not in one country, not in one place, not in one city. Then there are so many things. Oh my God. <laughs> Is, does this have to do with food? This has nothing to do with food. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask the Christine question. Is this got to do with cycling? <laughs> yes, it is. The number of people competing in the Tour de France in summer 2100. No, it's nothing to do with cycling. I will give you a hint. It is to do with jobs. Is this the number of people on LinkedIn who have transitioned or are interested in a climate-oriented job? You're kind of close, but not exactly that. That's a very Christine guess, because I feel like that's an order of magnitude off of what's even possible. <laughs> Are there even 36.2 million people on LinkedIn? Yeah. Oh, really? Okay, I haven't spent a lot of time on there. My guess is that is the number of people who will be working 
in clean energy in the next five years? Oh, I think on balance, Christine just gets it. There's not completely right, but she's she's used some key words there. So 36.2 million people is the number of people working in clean energy in 2023, according to a report by my favorite source. I swear this is accidental, but it is from the International (laughs) Energy Agency. And it's from their World Energy Employment Report. What about the number of people working in fossil fuels? Well, 36.2 million people is higher than the number of people working in fossil fuels. There are currently about 32 million people working in fossil fuels as of 2023. And what's interesting is seeing the growth in both of these numbers. So this report from the International Energy Agency, it tracks the numbers from 2019 to 2023. So it goes through the pandemic period and renewables or working in clean energy has grown by about 6 million. So between 2019 and now it's gone from about 30 million to 36.2 million. Over that same time period, fossil fuels has actually fallen. Just before the pandemic, there were about 33 million people working in fossil fuels. That has now gone down to 32 million. Clean energy workers overtook fossil fuels in 2021, and that difference has only grown with time. Interesting. I feel that our episode from last year had something to do with this. Well, that's exactly... I didn't go to the International Energy Agency's website and just look for the latest report. We had this episode last year called How to Quit Your Job for Climate, where we heard all the stories from people who had made some kind of transition from a job outside of the climate space into a job in the climate space. So I was trying to look for a study that showed broader trends within that field. And that's when I found this World Energy Employment Report. And it is fascinating. The fact that there's now more people working in clean energy than fossil fuels, I think, is very hopeful. And it speaks to the point that this is just the start of the energy transition. On almost every metric, we are behind on net zero and we are only really starting to sell electric cars in real numbers or clean energy deployment in real numbers. And so when politicians say it's about jobs, you better believe it. Yeah. And most of the growth that we have seen in the clean energy sector, that's come down to five sectors. So that's solar PV, wind, electric vehicles and battery manufacturing, heat pumps and critical minerals mining. Hmm. These are just the numbers in 2023. So when you look forward, the International Energy Agency makes predictions about how many more jobs will be created over the next seven years to 2030. And the organization says, based on today's policies, there will be another 8 million clean energy jobs added worldwide by 2030. So that's based on today's policies. But if everyone agrees and gets on track for the net zero scenario, it will be even higher. There'll be something like 17 million clean energy jobs generated by 2030, which will more than replace all the jobs that are lost in the fossil fuel sector. And they take actually great pains to go and point out that many of the people who work in the fossil fuel sectors have very relevant skills and in-demand skills in the clean energy sector. So it's not like those people will just lose their jobs and have no options available. They will have the skills and the ability to make the transition themselves into the clean energy space. And that's like a shout out to our carbon capture episode with um, Emily Gruber. She said this great thing about oil companies or fossil fuel companies don't need to be part of the transition. Like, Who cares about the corporate structure? The skills that people have is actually much more meaningful. And I just really like that because sometimes if you're a very practical person, you're like, oh, I guess we do have to negotiate with oil companies. But really, it's the people who do the work. And people can move with their feet. If they don't like the kind (laughs) of work that they're doing for a fossil fuel company and they don't like the direction it's taking, then as we heard in the Climate Critters episode we put out, Mm -hmm. people are already saying, I want to do other things. I want to work for companies that I can feel proud and invested in the kind of work I'm doing. A good number. Yeah. 
I think I will give the point to Christine yes. on that one. Uh, so, Christine, you are one step closer to winning. A jar of sand. A jar of sand. Congratulations. May it yeah. last you a long time. I believe, Akshat, it is your go next. My number is 97. 97. Okay, sorry. My number is 95. <laughs> Please leave that in. What okay. changed? <laughs> it's, like, it's like the humidity reading in your, in your room. Uh, it's the temperature, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> start again, start again. My number is 95. This feels like a percent. Is it a percent? It is a percentage. Great. Is it to do with the location of like the manufacturing or extract of some kind of technology or mineral? It, it has to do with something to do with extracting something. Correct. Yes. Wow. I really liked how broad that guess was, but also you did get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Does this have to do with extracting a element that's really important in clean tech? No, it's not. If the word element had been changed to compound or... I know, I really thought no, about that. I was I'm, like, I'm not being. I'm not being... <laughs> I am not being a difficult chemist. Not being too pedantic, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have left my days in the lab long back. Rather than being the percentage of something, is it like a percent increase of something that's happened or a percent decrease? It is a percent decrease of something, correct. Does this have to do with the amount of like oil and gas being extracted in like one specific region? Yeah. Okay. This is a really tight game, this round. <laughs> You're getting all the hints. You're getting all the yeses. Is it some kind of prediction out to 2050? So like from today's date to 2050 or so, someone's gas or oil will fall by 95%? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready to guess. I'm guessing that Norway says it will decrease the amount of oil and gas it's going to extract by 95% over some very long period of time. What about you, Oscar? I'm going to say this is like a to get on a net zero target. That's the fall in gas and oil extraction worldwide that needs to happen by 2050. So I would say projections are not typically good news. So I, I think Christine's a little bit closer. It is geographically still in a different place, which is it's in the North Sea. And this is tied to gas production in the North Sea, which is set to decline 95% by 2050, even after new rounds of oil and gas licenses were announced by the UK government recently. And had they not been announced, it would have fallen by 97%. And is that for, because obviously the North Sea does provide Norway and it does provide the UK, so that's for the entire... No, this is just for UK's North Sea gas, yeah. But the point is, you know, there is a whole chat happening around how the UK is backtracking on its green goals and much of it is just rhetoric and not reality. Is there more gas in the North Sea? Is it truly people walking away from it or is it that, you know, it's been tapped no it's just a depleted and depleting field and then also for people who are not conversant in the uk the north sea oil and gas production has like there's a lot of history there yes i mean the uk as the home of industrial revolution had a lot of coal mining and then in the 20th century mid 20th century they discovered oil and gas in the north sea and 
really ramped up production. And that enabled, at least in the 90s and even early 2000s, a move away from coal because gas was abundant and cheap mm. and available. And so that allowed the UK to move away from coal and reduce its emissions. So its emissions have been declining since the 1990s, partly because of that gas field. But now it's declining because both gas production is declining and renewable energy production is on the up. The actual field peaked a while back though, right? So this is not like we've just had a new peak as of this year and then it's going to fall 97% by, or 95% by 2050. Correct. It peaked in 2000. So, you know, the lesson is take your politicians' announcements with a grain of salt. Interesting. Well, hopefully by that point, the UK will be entirely on solar, wind, batteries, and a bit of nuclear as well. Or if you want to go to the very first episode of Zero and listen to Bryony Worthington, maybe the UK is net negative after 2045, which would be something that may be necessary from an equity perspective as the country that put out all these greenhouse gases to create the problem in the first place. How about people ponder that? And then after the break, we'll guess my number. Today's leaders face many hard choices, confronted with uncertainty, cost pressures, and growing shareholder demands. But they don't have to choose between pursuing climate and business goals. In fact, BCG research suggests that these ambitions go hand in hand. Did you know at least 40% of executives at large organizations estimate an annual financial benefit of $100 million for meeting emissions reduction targets, according to recent BCG research? BCG also found that transitioning to the circular economy could help unlock $4.5 trillion of GDP growth by 2030. The cost of inaction, however, is profound. In fact, further analysis indicates that missing climate targets could result in an average annual EBITDA reduction of 15%. At BCG, our experts recognize the myriad benefits, from risk mitigation to first-mover advantage, that come with sustainability. Let's partner to unlock a better sustainability journey. Welcome back to the show. Two guesses so far, one to go. Christine's actually already won the jar of sand. She's come closest both times. It is now your victory lap, Christine, and your number. My number is 642.84. Wow, that's a very specific, that 0.8 is a... Um... We could round it up. We could do 643. <laughs> is this to do with money? Yes, it always has to do with money. Okay, so it's, is it a dollar figure? Yeah. Okay. Is it to do with the price of a particular clean technology? It has to do with clean technology. It does not have to do with the price of a technology specifically. Has it got anything to do with government money toward a clean technology? No. Hmm. Is it just $643 or is it $643 It's, it's, it's just $643. Is that, I feel like this might be too hard. This might be too hard. Can you give us a clue to narrow it down slightly? It has to do with me. Your electricity bill in the month of November. That would be very sad if that was the good news. You're really putting us on the spot for how well we know you. Nah. Well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to get a guess. I'm going to just make a guess now because I think we're at that point. Go for it. How much does it cost in labor to install a heat pump mm. in your house? Interesting. 
but no. Is it how much you're paying to go to school and learn about solar? Oscar, you got it. This is the cost of a single class at the local community college to learn about the physics of solar photovoltaic technology. It's the name of the class. I have been very inspired being around scientists and engineers working on this. And I've often been like kind of frustrated that I don't know in a more hands-on way how solar works. There's a lot of technologies other than solar, but that's the one that's like, you know, I think even since I was a little kid is like, that's the future. And behind the scenes of the show, for people who don't know, is a lot of like annotating and listening to kind of jargon, but beloved jargon about how what solar do you mean, kind of jargon? works. <laughs> 100% jargon. <laughs> I don't want to embolden any critiques. But yeah, so there's a lot of like sitting and annotating uh, conversations and being like, okay, what is a cathode? What is, it, what is an anode? And I really enjoy doing that stuff. And then we put out another episode and I completely forget I ever learned that stuff. And so I uh, just want to spend some time thinking about it more and learning about it. That's cool. Um, solar is the first source of energy that we developed where we didn't have to move things to get electricity. Everything else is run on turbines and turbines powered by steam. So solar was the first one where you didn't have to do that. I mean, even on wind, you actually have to move the rotors of a wind turbine to make wind power. But with solar, just shine the light. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited about this. I should say too, that Oscar's uh, work on the Martin Green episode, even though I was not the one annotating it, Oscar relaying to me the red photon, blue photon thing. I was like, this is so cool. Martin Green being one of the pioneers of solar tech. Yes. Yes. The godfather of solar who has a bunch of patents and all of this stuff. And it is a little bit self-important that me studying this is good news for the climate, but Really, I think it's amazing that this is available. It's part of a renewable energy certificate that the college offers for people to just get training in renewable energy, whether it's like how it's financed, how it works, how it gets installed. And I'm really excited to go see what that's like. And you never know, just like Martin Green birthed the entire Chinese solar industry by teaching students, you might be a part of the US solar industry's return. The solar coaster. Well, good luck with your course, Christine. And thank you guys for playing this special third round of Whose Number Is It Anyway? And congratulations on your prize, Christine. A jar of sand fresh from COP28. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to Zero. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Check out the show notes for the links to the numbers we chose in today's episode. Zero's producer is Oscar Boyd and senior producer is me, Christine Driscoll. Our theme music is by Wonderly. Special thanks as always to Kira Bindram. I'm Akshatrati. We'll be back in the new year. <laughs> <laughs>